Well, good morning, good morning. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. It's good to see you here this morning. So excited about uh, kicking off a new series. Uh, we're going to be talking about habits of emotionally healthy people. And so we're going to talk about what, what does that look like and uh, how do we develop these habits? Uh, what does the Bible say about emotions? Um, and, and today, really, we're going to start at really the baseline, the foundation of that. We're going to start with, with gratitude. And so we're going to talk about thankfulness and gratitude and how that impacts our life and how that can help chart the course. But before we go any further, I want to talk about something that I'm, I'm grateful for. Uh, and that was serve day. Yesterday, <clears throat> we had serve day. And like many of our, uh, our things that we do as a church family, it looks so different this year. There were many that were serving virtually online. Uh, you can go, well, how do you serve online virtually? Well, through the backpack drive or things like that. And, you know, we understand that there are many that just aren't ready to, to join physically or to gather in groups. And, and it could be because they're not ready yet, or they may have uh, someone in their family or they themselves may be immunocompromised. And so in the same hand, we love them, and we love where everyone's at on this journey, and we still want to create opportunities for people to be able to serve. And so we have lots of different projects. In fact, really, because of the current state that we're in, we actually, I think we canceled like 10 uh, projects. I kid you not, we canceled our two largest projects about two days uh, before serve day because of everything that's transpiring. So we pivoted quickly, and uh, we really focused on serving our city. We were out at Irwin Park. Uh, lots of mountain bikers were grateful that we were out there. If you've ever been out to Irwin Park and, you know, they were those guys that were out there. I'm telling you what, I was out there for a little bit. It was hot and they were shoveling dirt. Okay. I mean, it was hard work, but they made some great relationships and connections with people and the organizations that are out there. And listen, there's no better way than to, uh, to, to love on people than to love on the things that our city is overseeing and tending to and that many in our city go and participate in. And Irwin Park is one of those places. So we were there and then we had a large group of people uh, that were physically distanced, okay, here at our campus doing really two particular things. One, they're putting together care packages for our medical professionals in the area and then they went and delivered those. And then we made 40 blankets, 40 no-so blankets for uh, children, kids at the children's hospital. And I remember yesterday had a conversation with uh, uh, one of the men that were here serving and working. His name's Decker Branch, and he was he was cutting and tying and putting blankets together like nobody's business. And I just had him and Brittany share just a little bit about what what is this like? What is this meant? And they were both were just amazed and just grateful opportunity for us as Milestone Church that even in our current situation with uh, this global pandemic, we're still able to, in a safe, secure way, be able to come together and still serve and think of others. And what was really neat, which I didn't learn this till we were talking, uh, for, for his business and where he works, there are times where he actually goes into children's hospital and he's there periodically and he's like, man, I'm trying to memorize the patterns because when I go in there in the fall, hopefully we'll be back in there when things open up and I'm going to be looking for these blankets and I, I look forward to seeing these blankets in action because many of those children at children's hospital have terminally uh, uh, ill diseases and, and 
that is where they're going to spend a large portion of their life for the remainder of their life. And so it was amazing to see. We had families back there putting blankets, and we encouraged them. They're praying over each blanket, and that God would cover them just like that blanket covers them. So it was amazing. And I'm going to tell you, this is what I'm grateful for. There's a lot going on. You're scrolling through a lot of stuff in your feed that just isn't stuff like this. That's not encouraging and edifying, and you're thinking, I can't be grateful. It's, it's polarizing. And, and it's amazing how when you do see something that is encouraging and uplifting, you'll pause a minute and you go, hey, I want to see that video. I want to read about that. I want to hear about that. This is what I'm grateful for because this represents you. And while it looks different, the heart of Milestone hasn't changed because the heart of Jesus doesn't change. It's for others. It's to serve others. It's to love others. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for being a church that loves other people. Thank you for all those who served online. Thank you for those that, you know what, you weren't able to, we had one who wasn't able to serve and wasn't here. They're not, because of their work, they weren't able to be here in a large group. They came up, we had a blood drive from 12 to 5. They came up and they gave blood. Okay, thank you for those that came in those capacities, and then thank you for all those who came and worked so hard and, and did so much for other people. This is what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for a church that loves others. I'm grateful for your generosity that allows us to do things like this. I'm grateful that we're making an impact together to reach people and build lives. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It was a great day, and, uh, and it was so much fun, and so we look forward to it next year. And uh, hopefully it'll look like what we normally remember it looking like in years past uh, next year for Serve Day. Well, as, as we start this new series, you may be thinking, okay, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, health and, and we're talking about emotions and we're talking about habits. Like, where does this all kind of intersect and where does it land? Well, I want you to open up your Bibles, Luke chapter 17. And on the way there, we're going to get there, but on the way there, we're going to stop off in 1 Thessalonians. So we're going to take a little road trip, okay? And we're going we're gonna to talk about what does this look like in our life. And I want you to know that, that part of the reason for us as a team and for me personally, especially for us here in McKinney and for Pastor Jeff uh, in Keller and, and, as our lead pastor and what we're thinking about, we're thinking about you, a, a concern and a heart and a passion for you. I, I think about the people that I talk to, the people that I pray with, the people that I know and that I don't know. I think about friends across uh, the, the nation that I'm interacting with or that I'm talking to or that I'm engaging with on social media or in personal phone calls, whatever it may be. I'm thinking about where people really are living. Where people are living is in a high emotional state. I read an article this past week and just talking about the polarization of why people uh, position themselves on one end of the spectrum or the other when it comes to certain things that we should or should not be doing during this uh, season of COVID-19. And it talked about how we as individuals, that when we feel threatened by an outside source, we do what most individuals and people do. Okay, and that is this, is that we either have a high fight or flight instinct. And so essentially people are living in this adrenal, I mean, they're a, the adrenaline is redlined. And our emotions are at an all-time high. And our reactions and our responses, and really it's our responses that really have to improve, but our reactions are fueled by that. So, so how do we grow through that? 
You may be asking, okay, Pastor Chris, well, does the Bible say anything about emotions? Well, the word that the, the Bible uses that, that you'll hear more of is, is really soul. Because the soul is the, inner, the, the intersection of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So you, you won't necessarily hear the word or read the word emotions, but you will hear about this soul, this tending to our soul, this, this aspect of our soul that we have to tend to and be aware of. It's the thing that we have to, to look at. And so the Bible talks. In fact, the Bible, this is what the Bible speaks about most, is the inward part. It's inside out. That's what, the, that's what Jesus is always driving us back to. You look at Matthew 23. He's having this real tough and honest conversation with the Pharisees. And he even calls them, you're like a whitewashed tomb. You, you make the outside look good, but you got dead bones on the inside. You, you make sure the outside of the plate and the cup is clean, but the inside is filthy and dirty. So really, the, the, the majority, the context of this, outside of being the love story of God and us and everything he did for us to be joined together, is this aspect of how are you tending to your soul? I ask you, how are you tending to your soul in this emotionally heightened season that we're in. I ask myself, how am I tending to my soul? How am I, how am I dealing with these things? You see, it, it, because, you know, there are things that, that it just gets elevated. And, and sometimes it's, it's serious things, but sometimes it's just kind of, it's kind of humorous and light, right? So, so I think of like watching shows in my house when you've got three little girls and trying to land on a show that everyone wants to watch, okay? I don't feel like watching Unikitty cartoons all day. It's just a true story. Although, my little Willow, she wants Unikitty. She is like, I am a Unikitty. She's like, I'm a Pega Unikitty corn. I was like, what is that? I don't even know. Does that exist, you know? Meadow, my five-year-old, is like, Willow. She's just a little cutthroat kind of. She's like, unicorns aren't real. Willow's like, you know, you just cut me deep. Unicorns are real. What are you talking about? You know, we'll see. We get to heaven. I don't know. Well, ask you. I said, Willow, we can ask God about it one day. Okay. I don't know. And so it's this real, it's a real issue. As some would say, it's a real situation in our home. Okay. What do we land on? You got all of these shows, right? You know, you've talked to people. They're like, I'm done. Done with what? Netflix. I've seen everything. Okay. It's like, what, what else do you do? And when you look at the majority of the shows, you, that you watch or that you see online, so many of them are reality TV, and they just kind of suck you in. I mean, think about some of the stuff. I'm like, the things that people, I mean, you got, you know, my kids like watching Nat Geo, and you've got like shows about like veterinarians and all the crazy stuff they do, and then you go to like Discovery Channel, you got doctors that are like podiatrists, and they're like pulling toenails off, and like people watch this stuff. You know, it's like you get just dialed in. I don't know if it's like a train wreck. You're like just slow motion. You're like, I can't stop watching. It just pulls you in. You're like, what do I do? You know, it, it's like, you know, and then there's this one that Wendy really likes. It kind of, she likes it. It's like a love-hate. Hoarders. How I many of you watch Hoarders, right? You're like, oh my God. Like, I just don't, like, I'm the type of person, I, I've shared with you before in transparency, Wendy and I, right? She's not a hoarder, but she does like to keep a lot of stuff. Now, she's grown through the years, but I'm on the other end. I'm like, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Throw it away. Throw it away. Throw it away. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Some of you, you've been in that season. Like, you've been delivered from your, your you know, being a hoarder during COVID-19. You're like, I got all the time in the world. Get rid of it. We getting rid of this. Getting rid of that. Cat, get rid of that cat. Get rid of every cat. Get rid of all those cats. 
cats. You know, the dog, you're into that, you know. Keep, no, we're keeping that kid, okay. But you know, it's, like, it's like you're just throwing it all away. And when you think about hoarders and you think about that and you think about just cleaning the house, sometimes here's the thing. There's legitimate moments where you're like, I just got a clean house. I just got too much stuff. But sometimes if you're like me, I'm not care- if I'm not careful, I get so dialed in to like just get rid of stuff, I could throw out something that I legitimately need. I think in the season that we're in, what begins to happen is that you get so heightened on trying to find a solution, trying to figure out what am I actually fighting against? Is it this virus? Is it, is it anxiety? What am I actually trying to accomplish? Where do I try and go? What am I actually trying to do? And that's what I really want to help you. We have a lot of opinions out there. We have a lot of here's what's going on and this is what works and this is what doesn't. Hey, we want to help give you a solution. We want to go to what God's word says and how do we really resolve the real issue? I tell our teams all the time and different leadership teams that I've walked with or I've led. I said, look, solving a problem is good. Finding the real problem is even better because you could be solving problems or think you're solving problems that actually isn't the real issue. So let's really get down to what's the real issue. And that's why we said, hey. We need to talk about this. We need to talk about this because if we can help you begin to lay this foundation, then you can win in every other area that you put your hand in everything else that you touch. You see, what begins to happen is this. We all have this, really, and here's the thing. The, The starting place, here's the starting place for emotional health right here. It's gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is the starting ground. That That is the baseline. But what is the, the other end of that? Some people would say, what's the, what's the, the opposite end of gratitude? You, you, you'd say, well, it's a lack of gratitude. It's being unthankful. It's being un- unthankful. I don't think that's a word. Ungrateful, you know? It's like, well, what is that? You know, really, I think that the opposite end, the counter to that is fear. I'm not talking about scary movie fear, like, ooh. I'm talking about fear of the unknown. I'm talking about uncertainty. I'm talking about the fact that fear is what we all in some level during this season are experiencing. But here's what I want you to understand. This isn't the first time you've experienced fear and it won't be the last. The the issue is not will I be fearful. The issue is what do I do when I experience fear? How do I resolve that? You see, this is about learning rather than to react I learned to respond. How do you know? What's a good gauge on if I'm being driven by fear? Well, do you have an inordinate response? You try and control a situation. You know, you may think, well, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't feel like I have an inordinate response to anything. I think I'm pretty mild-mannered. If you're not careful, you view that question even just through your personality. Well, I'm just pretty laid back and chill. Think about because you can have an inordinate response internally, and you wonder, why is this tension happening inside of me? I'm reminded when I think about fear, and I think about control, and I think about inordinate response, I think about when I was a young dad. Camden was born. She's my oldest. And I remember the thing that overwhelmed me the most was when she's probably, you know, six, seven, eight months, if she choked when she started eating. And I mean, I kid you not, it was a real problem. Like, I would go like full on commando ballistic. If she was on the other side of the room, she was next. I'm flipping tables. I'm getting over there to her. I'm like, I watch all the videos, flip her. If she's this big, flip her here and then do this. And I'm like, you know, and I, and I, but it was a, it was a real issue. I, I'm just being transparent. Like, I was really like, I just had an inordinate response. And I remember Wendy saying, babe, like, you, you got to talk to the Lord. You got to dial it back. She's going to be fine. And typically, I'm the one that's like, it's going to be fine. 
And I remember talking to God and going, God, why, why do I feel that way? What's the deal? Why do I have this inordinate response? You know what it came down to? Fear. I was afraid that what if she was choking and I couldn't fix it? What if she was choking and I didn't know how to resolve it? It really came down to fear. You see, you take that example, and you may not relate to that particular example, but there are things that you have experienced in life currently, previously, and you will in the future. That you recognize, I can't fix this, I can't control this, I can't change this. And the question is, how are you going to respond? How are you going to make your way through? Well, here's, I think, what we can pull away. Because again, gratitude is the baseline. How do we develop this gratitude? Well, I, I want you to look at, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Because we really gain this. Here's where it starts. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't give thanks for all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for your life. God's will is that in every situation, in every circumstance, rather than fear overtaking, and that becomes your reaction, gratitude is what fuels your response. I can be grateful in every circumstance. I don't have to be grateful for every circumstance. There's a lot of things I and you as well have experienced in life. You're not going, yes, thank you. May I have another? No, it was terrible. You didn't like it. It wasn't right. It wasn't fair. It wasn't just. But you can still go, God, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be grateful. And I think we can learn this and, and see this and recognize this in this, this story in Luke chapter 17. As we get here, I want to give you just kind of some context. And if you look at verse 11 through 14 before we get to the end of this little section of passages that we're reading, I'm just going to, for time's sake, I'm highlighting what's happening here. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is walking to Jerusalem. Okay, and he's got his disciples with him and he decides to take a detour. He goes to this little village in between Samaria and Galilee, okay? And in this village, there's these 10 lepers. And it says, okay, we didn't originate social distancing, just so you know. It says, from a distance, they said, Lord, heal us, this, okay? These lepers, now, now, if you know anything about leprosy, okay, COVID-19, and not to minimize anyone who's been impacted by COVID-19 or has, has, has uh, experienced it or has been sick from it, but at this time, leprosy was the most polarizing disease you could have. It had such a stigma. You were unclean to the point where they created leper colonies. I find it unique. This is a village. These are primarily Samaritan lepers, but this village, this little colony, if you would, was in between Galilee and Samaria. Why? Because it was probably Galilean and Samaria, uh, Samaritan lepers that were pushed out of the city and put into a colony. There was a season, even in the United States, I remember a pastor that I worked for and, and served under. He was my pastor and leader. His grandmother lived in a, in, a, in a leper colony, okay? So it wasn't very long ago that you even had that in the United States. And so this disease was overwhelming. And what happens, they're crying out, heal us. And he says, I want you to go to the priest. Well, at, at that point, they're ashamed. They're like, I don't want to go to the priest then I'm going to I'm gonna have to admit I got a problem. You see, it's the same challenge we face. We all want healing, but we don't want to have the starting line of healing, which is I got to admit I got an issue. I got to admit I got a problem. We all want to get better, but we don't want to recognize where we're not good. 
The starting place is let me recognize it. So he says, I want you to go to the priest. And here's what happened. It's so unique. When you're reading in there in verse 14, it actually says they were healed as they went. Can I tell you something? The healing that you're needing, it's not a destination. It's a journey. It's a process. God's working. When we think of healing, we automatically, we associate it with this instantaneous, miraculous healing. So what happens is when it doesn't miraculously happen in one moment, we get discouraged. When in reality, if you would just walk in obedience as you go, as you live your life, as you respond correctly, as you honor your spouse, as you honor your children, as you honor those that you work with and work for, as you go, you experience healing in your life. And that's what happened to these lepers. And then verse 15, watch what happens here. Verse 15, it says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So in this moment, boom, he realized, I'm healed. He thanked, he comes back. He came back. Not Ten were healed, but only one came back. Ten were healed. But only one came back, thanked Jesus. Jesus' response is this. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? So Jesus, right away, he goes straight to the heart of the matter. He goes straight to the heart issue. It's gratitude. Does anyone recognize? Does anyone see this? Verse 19 says, then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I love what the New King James Version says. It actually says his faith has made you whole. You see, 10 of them wanted healing. And 10 of them experienced healing. But only one experienced wholeness. Every time I pray for people, I always pray, God, when I'm praying for healing, I pray for healing and for wholeness. Why? Because, heaven forbid, you're healed from your physical need but not made whole in your soul. You see, we get real dialed in to fix my circumstance, change my issue, change my circumstance, heal my body, heal my marriage, heal my relationship, heal my job, heal this, heal that, fix, do. Come on, God, make it happen. Go, go, go. But we're not made whole. We're not made whole. Jesus' end goal is that you might be made whole. This is also a throw to, it's symbolic to salvation. You see, we live in challenging times. It's not easy what you're walking through and what you're experiencing. And, and again, remember, <clears throat> this is not just about being hypersensitive and hyper aware to our emotions. This is not just about, you know, oh, let me just be more emotionally aware. It's not a, a just a, a let's, let's have a feel good kind of message and let me get real sensitive. No, this is about developing habits. This is about developing a perspective and knowing these are the things I need to do to respond correctly so I can develop habits that allow me to be emotionally healthy. The baseline and the starting line is gratitude. You see, when we live in this challenging time, and, it's challenging, and I'll be honest, even for I, I have more people that have thoughts and opinions, and some of them communicate to me, some of them don't. They communicate to other people about what they think and how they think we should do what we should do or decisions I should make and how I should do it, and that's fine. There's times where I'm like, man, golly, I mean, everyone, anyone else? It's, you know, when you're leading people, can I tell you something? It's challenging for people. It's challenging for you. I'm not saying that so you feel sorry for me, okay? God will give me the grace I need and the perspective I need. 
But I'm telling you, any pastor, any person in authority, any person serving any group of people, I think about our principal. I think about our superintendent. I may not like the decisions they make about school. Just use that as an example. It would be real easy to be upset and frustrated and criticized. But can I tell you, anyone in a position of serving a group of people, it's a lot of pressure. And people have a lot of opinions about what you should and shouldn't do. And I go, okay, God, you know, well, I, one, I want to honor you. Two, I want to honor others, yes. But how do I have the right perspective? Can I tell you how I've learned to do that? And I, and I don't do it right every day. So I, when I'm not doing it right, can I tell you what I do? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you lead me. Thank you that I have access to wisdom beyond my years. Thank you that you know my heart and you know my intention. I didn't realize what I was doing, but at the beginning of, of shelter in place, kind of the middle of March, I started writing down, and I do it every single day, every day. I write down three things I'm grateful for. If you look, I have a, a digital journal, and the, the title just says gratitude. Now, I, I didn't do that in the middle of March going, I'm going to preach on that in July. But can I tell you something? Every day, I'm refocusing my perspective. Here's what I'm grateful for. And there are times where, you know what, it gets a little frustrating or discouraging or, man, what am I? And I got to go back to let me remind myself of what I'm grateful for. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Wendy. Thank you for my girls. Thank you for our church. Thank you that I get to be in the position I'm in. Thank you that we're making a difference. Thank you for the people in Milestone Church that love and serve other people that love you. Thank you that we get to do what we get to do. Thank you that we get to do it together. And what begins to happen? When I start saying thank you, something shifts inside of me. Because I'm going to tell you, my flesh, you know you have that fight or flight? I ain't flight. I'll just tell you that. There's only one other option. Okay. Now that ain't, I'm not saying that's a good thing, okay? There, there's some good things that maybe come along with that. But if I'm not careful, I can I can lean into the let me tell you what you need to do, spirit. Or let me tell you about yourself, spirit, which isn't real good. But you know what changes that inside of me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So how do we do that? How, how do we develop gratitude? How do we do those things? What happens when we choose to be grateful of the next few minutes? I'm going to give you three real simple things that I hope pray and pray lay the groundwork for you being able to develop this perspective and this foundation of gratitude so that you can develop this hab these habits that help lead to emotional health. So you stop reacting in situations and you start responding and you start responding correctly, not perfect, but progress that you begin to develop these habits of emotionally healthy people. First is this. Here's what happens when we choose gratefulness and we choose to be grateful. We get closer to God and that in and of itself, it brings health to our emotions. There's times where, I, look, I, I've been serving the Lord since I'm 19. I'm 42. There's times where I'm like, man, God, I feel like there's times where I felt closer to God. Now, and you're like, well, you're a pastor. I thought you had like, you know, the, the bat phone or the red phone or the yellow phone or some phone like direct line. I'm human. As I just shared, I can get frustrated, aggravated. I can go first instinct. Let's fight, not flight, okay? Let's, I need, but what do I do? James 4, 8, draw close to God. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. You see, here's the amazing thing. You go back to, hey, as you went, as you go, you're made whole. And it says that, hey, you came back. And when you have this gratitude, Jesus said, this has made you whole. This is, gratitude is the root and the baseline for salvation, you see, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove it. 
You don't have to fabricate it. He's already drawing near to you, which already makes it easy to... Here's the thing. Think of it this way. If I'm standing here and you think about, if you just hear me say, draw near to God, and you're looking based on where you're at in life, your life may be a mess today. Maybe you've made a mess of your life, and you're thinking about your life, and you think about draw near to God. You know what you think? I know what I think. That's a long way away. Like, I, what do I got to do? I got to like, man, I got to pack the car. I got to fuel it up. I got I to gotta journey because God's so far away. Here's what's so amazing about Jesus. He's already right there. You don't have to go anywhere. Really, what you probably have to do is turn around, and there he is. That's the same example and analogy of repentance. Repentance is what? I'm going to turn from my ways. It's 180 degrees. And there he is because he's with you and he's for you. And so in the middle of your mess, he's right there with you. If you would stop and just go, God, thank you. I'm grateful, Lord. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that in the middle of my mess, you are with me and you are for me. And you start drawing. There he is. You may have had the worst week of your life this past week. And you may have made a train wreck of things. You're not too far. Gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. No mistake I make is too big for you. Your hand is not too short to save. I can draw close to you, and it brings health in my emotions. Here's the, here's the second thing it does is we're able to access peace. We're able to access peace. We all know peace is powerful. You hear us talk a lot about peace. You hear us share a lot about peace. We all know peace is powerful. We all want peace. We all know we should want peace. We want to be close and we want to draw draw from peace. We all want those things. That's not the question. Where do you find it? Because we can lose it. We can feel like it's far off. We can, but here you have access to peace. You see, there's times where I can too, just like you. I can lose my peace. There are times where Wendy's like, babe, you okay? I know code is, babe, you're okay really means you need to dial it back. You're a little on edge. You're kind of frustrated. You're being short with the girls. You're being short with me. Check your tone, whatever, or all of that all at one time. Let's just be honest. Can your pastor be transparent with you? That's real life. And I got to go, whoa. But here's the thing. In the middle of that, I can go, I know where to find my peace. I've gotten my eyes off the wrong thing. I, I, I know where I can find my peace. It's in Jesus. So i got to stop and I have access to that. Well, where, where, where do I get that peace? How do I access that? Well, that road is paved with gratitude. I love what Paul wrote. Probably one of my favorite scriptures. I, I, there's probably not a month that goes by when I'm preaching or talking to someone. This scripture doesn't come up. Philippians 4. And honestly, Philippians 4 as a whole, I've recommended to many people, just read Philippians 4. It'll help you. And there's so many verses in there that are probably one-line verses, not one-line, but they're like simple scripture verses that you can probably reference that you'll realize, wow, I didn't realize all of those were in this one chapter. There's a reason why. Paul is writing here, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. In every situation, context, Paul's writing, he's in prison. 
I don't know about you, you may have felt like you've been in prison and shelter in place, you're home alone, your kids have been with you, you love them, but hey, you've been trying to work and be a homeschool uh, parent, you know, during, uh, during the school years, whatever it may be, during the school year, whatever it may be, you may feel, and yet here's Paul, Paul was literally in prison going, be thankful and grateful in every situation, don't be anxious, prayer, we do that really well, we petition, we do that really well, but gratitude, thankfulness, Sometimes we miss that part. It's like a three-legged stool. You don't have that third leg. You're going to fall over. And then what does it say? Going on verse 7. And what happens when I, when I walk with gratitude? I have access to what? The peace of God which transcends all understanding. Guard your heart and guard your mind. That's where the battle's going on. Heart and mind. Heart and mind. Heart and mind. It's gratitude. And then here's the third thing that happens. When we're grateful, we gain stability in our emotions. You hear me say it often. You're not ruled by your emotions, or you shouldn't be, and you shouldn't be led by your emotions. But you need to listen to them. You see, when you're grateful and you stop and you listen, God, why do I feel what I feel? Why do I have this? That's what happened with me. I, I was able to mature and grow. I didn't have it figured out as a young dad, but yet as a Christian who'd been serving the Lord for, at that point, 12, 15 years, I didn't have a right response. I had an inordinate reaction. But when gratitude came in and I stopped and I listened, why am I responding the way I'm responding? Why do I feel the way I feel? It led to stability. It led me realizing I have a fear issue, not a my child is choking issue. I have a control issue that I can't fix it and make it happen. So the solution to that, to bring stability, is to actually let go and surrender. God, it's yours. You're in control. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You see, fear results in a kingdom that everything is just on edge and shaking. And, and the tighter you try and grip it to control it, the more it just shakes. And now it's not just shaking, you're shaking. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Listen, there's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There's a stability that comes. And the way that we get there is through gratitude. It's the perspective that we have. It's amazing how things come into perspective when we have gratitude. You know, I'm thinking of a dear friend of ours, and it's actually Wendy's best friend. We did ministry together, all three of us, for <clears throat> in Austin for probably eight or nine years together. And about two years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. She's a wife, she's a mom, she's a leader in a church. And Wendy and her have had lots and lots of conversations. And in fact, just last week, a couple weeks ago, Wendy went and they were selling their house, helped their 13-year-old daughter. They have one little girl. Kathy wasn't able to help pack her own house, much less her daughter's house. And all her daughter wanted was Wendy to come and Camden to come and help her. So Wendy went down to Austin. And they had conversations and she said, I'm just so sad, but yet joyful. I'm sad for my kids, 
because it's amazing how when someone tells you you have cancer, the things that really matter come into perspective. And she says, I can tell the end is near. And she loves the Lord, both her and her husband. She knows how to access peace. And trust me, she's having to do it not just on a daily basis. She's doing it moment by moment. But that woman's life impacted so many. Impacted Wendy, impacted mine, impacted my kids. My kids love her kids. So many people that her life impacted throughout the years and her loving Jesus and serving the Lord and serving others as she was a leader in her church. We don't have to wait just for those moments to develop that type of perspective of gratitude, though. We can live emotionally healthy now. We can develop gratitude now. And that's my prayer for each and every one of us. That it doesn't have to take a difficult season. It doesn't have to take the diagnosis of cancer. It doesn't have to take a global pandemic. It doesn't have to take all of those things for us to develop gratitude in this type of perspective. The truth is you felt fear before, just like you may be feeling it now. Uncertainty, anxiety, and worry. Truth is you'll have opportunity to feel it again. It's going to be there. The question is how will you respond to it. You can respond correctly and not react inordinately.